things and the nuances around that. Uh, our second one was about alcohol and, and how do we walk out in wisdom in, in this generation. And our third one, we thought we'd choose a nice light topic. It's human sexuality tonight. thought we'd do an easy one. But we're hoping that tonight would bless you. But let me, let me give you a quick, a quick intro as to why we do this. Um, in 2015, there was a referendum in the Republic of Ireland, and it was to do with the legalization of, of gay marriage. And in order to try and understand how this kind of thing was being covered in the press down the south, um, I was looking through some of the papers, and I remember really distinctly reading this from the Irish Times, and it was a, a journalist who said, where is the church? The referendum swept through with absolutely no issue on voting. But it seemed as though the church was absolutely silent on the issue. And this reporter was saying, where is the church? The church is meant to be the moral voice of the nation. And when I read down, it turned out that this guy was actually a gay fella. That, that he was gay himself. And even then he was questioning and he was asking, he was asking, where's the church? Where's the church's moral voice? And I find it incredible. I think sometimes we doubt this, but even today, the world is still looking for a voice in the wilderness. The world is still looking for truth. Even those who would disagree with the church, who would maybe disagree from our viewpoint in scripture, believe it or not, the world is still hungry for truth. And see, rather than ignore the big issues in our world today, we believe that we're called to engage with them, that we're called to talk about them, and to take a journey together and working some things out. So I'm going to ask Pastor Philip, I'm going to do our usual, we're going to ask some questions, some of the big questions about the hot topics, and Pastor Philip's going to take us through some material to kind of open it up and to explore this really, really big topic, and I really hope that it blesses your heart tonight. As Pastor Philip comes, will we pray? Father, we thank you, God, for the opportunity to come together, to hear from your word, to gain wisdom, Father God, your word says that those who are wise take advice. And Father God, I pray tonight that those of us would take advice on. That God, we would take on the wisdom of your word, the truth of your word. Father, for those who are here tonight who are maybe asking deep, deep questions, I pray, Lord, that you would give them such a peace, an overwhelming peace of your love, an overwhelming peace of your acceptance. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Have you enjoyed these so far? Yeah. All right. So living between the lines is, is kind of our tagline of this, is, and trying to live in a way that, that lives in between the lines of, of Scripture and what, what the Bible tells us to. Um, and I'm going to introduce the way we always introduce and then sum up the way we always sum up, is, and, it's, and it goes like this, is these kind of sessions are never, ever meant to make anybody feel condemned. No. They're never meant to that anybody would ever go out those doors feeling worse than what they came in, ever. And, and no matter what we, we explore and what we look through, our hope is that it would always bring freedom to your life and never condemnation. That it would never bring guilt, but it would bring this understanding of truth and just how much God loves you. And so if you do have any questions from what's gonna come out of tonight, just come and ask. We would really, really love to hear your heart just come and ask. We're going to leave a piece of paper in the foyer. If you'd like to ask a question, maybe written down and anonymously, you can do that too. But our first question tonight, Pastor Philip. Okay. A wise one. Is 
why is human sexuality a hot topic? Well, firstly, um, I talked this over with my, my daughter last Sunday following lunch, and the conversation went on for quite a long period of time. Actually, it's the longest conversation that we have had. And I discovered that through that conversation with Ruthie that there are generational differences that we need to start with this evening. Um, and I did a wee bit of research on this, all right? So um, if you want to bring up the first slide there for me, Emma. All right, now the silent generation are those who are born between 1928 and 1945. Those individuals came through the Great Depression. They came through the Second World War. They are, this is the characteristics of them. They are disciplined. They have high values, respect for authority. They are loyal, enjoy speaking face-to-face, and they grew up expecting a hard life. Now, they are the silent generation. I, I want to say this, probably kindly this evening. The reason why some of them aren't here this evening is because they don't want to hear this, because this is not spoken about in church as far as they are concerned. And when we spoke about marriage, there were, there were some individuals who came to me afterwards and said, I didn't like that tonight, you know. But we, we, we do need to address it because of other generations. Now, my generation is the next one. Bring up the next slide. We're the, the baby boomers. So we were born in a, an age of um, prosperity after the, the Second World War, 46 to 64. We're the biggest users of TV, radio, magazines, and newspapers. We'll still go and buy newspapers and magazines. 90% of us have a Facebook account. And I want to say this, we are really stupid in how we use Facebook. Most people have Facebook just to keep in touch with their kids. And some of the stuff that, that my generation puts on Facebook makes their kids and grandchildren cringe. So be very careful how you use Facebook and what you put on it. Um, these are usually couples who have both worked. You've got to remember things are starting to prosper. And so the age of mother staying at home sort of finished with my generation. We are big consumers. Holidays are big for us. We'll work hard to get a good holiday. And we want our children to prosper more than, than ourselves. And so we invest a lot in our children. Next generation is Generation X, born 65 to 79. This is the latchkey generation because mom was at work. There were, there were some kids who, who came home to an empty house when they were teens. Um, this is the MTV and music video generation. Um, those of you who are of this generation um, the now cassettes, which became now CDs, they must have now 120 of them. Um, they, they were very popular for you. Highly educated, resourceful individuals, the highest users of Facebook, and good problem solvers. All right? Generation Y. 
Those of you who were born 1980 to 1994, confident individuals, curious, question authority. I, I remember saying to Ruthie uh, at one point, whenever she was a teen, I would never speak to my dad the way you speak to me. And here's what she said to me. I wouldn't speak to your dad that way either. <laughs> but he's not my dad. You are. And we need to get that sorted out. So I, I became very, very aware that she questioned authority. Comfortable with mobile devices, but this was interesting to me. Most purchases are made by, with a computer and not with a handheld. All right? Um, they, they prefer Netflix and they will stream their TV rather than have a satellite TV the way the rest of us do. You know, they, they would, they'll stream the programs that they want to see. And as far as the news is concerned, it's bites. They'll not watch the news. They'll pick up bites of information from the internet. Anyway, the next one, this is the younger one, Generation Z, born 1995 to present. Is this you? Just. Just. Just me. Um, 95. <laughs> yeah, they, were, they got their first mobile phone on average when they were 10 years of age. This is the mollycoddled, overprotected generation. Taken to school every day, picked up every day from school. Everybody's life has to revolve around them. Um, they'll, they'll use smartphone for communication rather than face-to-face. -face. They'll use Instagram rather than Facebook. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah, Facebook, Facebook's an old person's thing now, isn't it? It's not cool. No, it's not cool. <laughs> no um, they're more accepting of others. Now, this is where things start to change more accepting of different cultures than previous generations, um, more accepting of sexual orientations, and less likely to go to church. This is a generation that we're losing from the church. Now, all of that, if you, you bring up the next slide, all of that then is, is fascinating to me because I, you've got the silent generation, don't want to talk about anything, all right, you've got the baby boomers. We're too busy with what's going on in our own lives, so we don't really care what's happening in anybody else's. Generation X, we're too busy raising the family to be concerned. Generation Y, question authority or on equality, and Generation Z, more socially accepting. Now, culture plays a big part in all of this, and. Whenever I sat down and, and reflected on, on all of this here, you see to pastor a multi-generational church, it's a difficult task. It would be much easier for me to have a church full of silent generation people because they would just accept everything that's said and, and believe it. But that's not the church that we have. And it's not the church of Jesus Christ either. And we, we do need to, to talk about these things. Um, and different generations have different views on, on how we deal with these hot topics that we're bringing to you. Now, another, another thing just before, sorry, this is so long, but I think this is important. Another thing that I think is really important is on the next slide. 
And it's this. We need to remember that the church is in the minority. Now, now Jesus, Jesus said that's the way it would be. He, he talked about a broad road and a wide gate. And he talked about a narrow road and a narrow gate. And he said there will be many who will go through the broad way, but there will be few who will go through the narrow gate. Now, that's important. I want you to hold on to that because um, the church is in the minority today. Best statistic that I've got is that 12% of, of the population of Northern Ireland goes to an evangelical church or would claim to be evangelical. 12%. And as far as individuals who do this kind of research is concerned, we're, we're the hothouse of, of the United Kingdom because generally the figures are in single figures, somewhere down around 3% of the population. So we, we, we are in a minority position. The other thing is that when the church speaks out against social issues, we always appear to be aggressive. And we appear to be absolute nutcases in some cases. And, and that's unfortunate because the church really has something to say about this. So bear all that in mind. Different generations look at things differently. We've got to remember that the church is in the minority. And somehow we've got to get the Christian message and the Christian ethos across without being aggressive or anti-everything. We'll, we'll say no to everything. All right, so we, we just need to be very, very careful about that. Okay, so we know that human sexuality is a hot topic, but it differs in terms of how it's interpreted and, and understood in, in different generations. But how do we as the church and as Christians respond to this? Right, we were, we were at a minister's meeting um, the beginning of October in Lisburn. And Philip Emerson, who's the, the pastor of Emmanuel Church in Lurgan, church runs about, what, six, eight hundred. Um, he, was, he was speaking to us, and he made a statement. He was talking about ministry today, and he made this statement, and, and I wrote it down, and maybe, it, it, yeah, that's it. We need to be soft at the door, but strong at the core. All right? Now, what he's saying there is anybody can walk through those doors. The church needs to be a place of refuge and sanctuary. And anybody can come in here and they don't need to change their label at the door, but we need to be soft at the door. Jesus was. But we need to be strong at the core, which means that we we got to know what we believe. And what we believe isn't going to be swayed or changed by whoever comes through that door. So we've got to be sure about what the scripture teaches, because the, the thing that guides the church is the word of God. And the word of God needs to be interpreted properly. And, and so that's, that's how I think we need to respond. As a church, 
And, and if, you want it, if, you want, if anybody says, what's your church like? Just say, you know, it's soft at the door, but it's strong at the core. Whenever you come to the church, you'll hear the truth. But hopefully that you'll hear the truth in a way that the Holy Spirit can use it to change people's lives. Yeah. All right? Okay, so I have a question then. So <laughs> I remember seeing this video one time, and I thought, oh, my word. So it was it, the, the words on the screen come up, and it was a person holding a folded-over piece of paper. And the question was, um, what did Jesus say about homosexuality? What did Jesus say about homosexuality? And the person opened up the piece of paper, and it was blank. And the point was, Jesus has said nothing about homosexuality, Right? Jesus hasn't said anything about it. And to be honest, it's probably one of the most consistent and most asked questions or points made about this hot topic is, well, if Jesus never said anything about homosexuality, then why do we need to have a conversation about it? All right. If you go through all the red letters in your Bible, the words of Jesus, you'll not find the word homosexuality there. All right. But Jesus did rebuke the Pharisees for having such a low view of marriage. He wanted to elevate marriage. And here's what he said to them in Matthew 19. Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning, the creator made them male and female and said for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh so they're no longer two but one flesh therefore what God has joined together let no one separate and he wants, he wants to lift this up this is, this is the way it is in the scriptures from the beginning and as far as Jesus is concerned, when two people become one flesh, and we looked at that a couple of months ago, what that meant. Whenever two people become one flesh, they are joined together as husband and wife in a marriage relationship. Now that's the ideal. That is the absolute ideal. Um, marriage is a relationship between one man and one woman. I was district superintendent of the British Isles North District in 2011 when the Scottish government sent a letter out to all the leaders of the denominations and they were, they were getting views from as many people as possible in the country because they were redefining marriage and the best statement that I read whenever we consulted our pastors in Scotland about all of this, the best statement that I read came from the Reverend Colin Wood. And he said, how can the government redefine something that God has instituted? It's from the very beginning. God was the one who created male and female. God was the one that had the idea of marriage. And it is not possible for a government to redefine marriage. Now, they chose to ignore everything that we wrote 
And I, I wrote down here what our final statement was. And our final statement reads like this. We view all forms of sexual intimacy that occur outside the covenant of heterosexual marriage as sinful distortions of the holiness and beauty God intended for it. And we believe that with all of our hearts. And but then your, your question is about Jesus. Um, so he raises marriage up. But then in Matthew 15, um, what he does here is he refers negatively and disapprovingly to all forms of sexual immorality. He said this, For out of the, the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what defile a person. But eating with the unwashed hands does not defile them. Now he's answering a question about his, his disciples not washing their hands before they eat. And, and he said, that, that's not important. That, that part of, of the Levitical law really is not important. It's what comes out of the heart that is important. And he specifically mentions here sexual immorality. Now the word that he, that he used, that is used there is, is pornea. Now if you trace it back into scripture, you go to um, the book of Leviticus. You bring that one up. Thanks, Emma. Um, <clears throat> and there are specific instructions about sexual immorality. Laws that say it is wrong for a man to have sex with his neighbor's wife. It is wrong for a man to have sex with another man. It's wrong for a man to have sex with an animal. It's wrong for a man to have sex with his mother-in-law. It's wrong for a man to have sex with his daughter-in-law. It's wrong for a man to have sex with his sister. So there were specific things that were defined as being sexually immoral. And Jesus, when he mentions that in Matthew 15, is referring back here to the, the book of Leviticus. All right? Okay. So I'm going to ask you another FAQ, frequently asked question. All right. Now, uh, it goes like this. So it, it's kind of based off Leviticus, actually. Um, so uh, homosexuality in the Bible um, is, is described as a sin in Leviticus. Um, however, the following are also described as sins in the Bible. So you ready? Egyptians eating with Hebrews, having an image of another god in your house, sacrificing your child to the god Moloch, which is fair enough, taking your wife's sister as a second wife, eating pork, banned likewise is wearing mixed fabric clothing, interbreeding animals of different species, tattoos, mocking the blind by putting obstacles in their way, and trimming your beard. This is quite an assortment of ancient laws, some of which seem to make good sense, such as don't sacrifice your child, and others which the majority of Christians no longer keep, such as eating pork, tattoos, wearing, wills, uh, wearing mixed fabric clothing. Um, surely to claim one set of timeless truths while ignoring the others is patently hypocritical and goes against the grain of the text itself. And it would do if you were looking at the text in isolation of the rest of Scripture. My view on all of, all of this here is that you, 
you need to, to use Scripture to interpret Scripture. So you, the, the thing to do is to follow it through the Scriptures and, and find out just exactly where it starts. It starts in the book of Leviticus, so those laws are given. But where does it end? Where does, where does that um, reference of, of all of this here being immoral, where does it end? Well, let's, let's take the next text. It comes from Revelation 22. And if you follow it through, blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. He's talking about the new Jerusalem, talking about heaven, making it into heaven. And, and then it says this, outside are the dogs. Now, this, this is scripture. This is hard language. Those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, and that's, that's the same wording, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone else who loves and practices falsehood. So the, the scripture specifically says, if you follow it all the way through to the book of Revelation, that the sexually immoral are the ones who are on the outside. So that's, if, if somebody was, was talking to me from the book of Leviticus, I would, I would try and take them through the scriptures and let them see where the thing ends up. And it ends up with the sexually immoral being excluded from, the, from, from heaven itself. So don't be aware then of isolating no. one particular scripture too much. Yep. Yeah, and taking the whole picture. Okay. Yep. All right. Here's here's another question, and again, it's another FAQ, another frequently asked question, and I picked it up originally actually from. Has any has anyone ever heard of Timothy Keller? Some people. Timothy Keller is is kind of a, a world-renowned author and speaker, and he he pastors uh, Redeemer Presbyterian Church in in New York City. And uh, he was being, he was in a, uh, being interviewed in, in a theater by, I think it was a, an atheist association, maybe. I'll need to go back and check that. But one of the questions was about this hot topic, very similar to what we're talking about. It was about human sexuality. And one of the questions, and it's a very blunt question, but I think it's a fair question. And it's simply this. This is what he was asked. Will being gay send me to hell? Will being gay send me to hell? Short answer, and then give us the... All right. Short answer is no. Not being a Christian, not accepting Jesus as your Savior, will mean that you will end up in hell. But if you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you'll get into heaven. Now, I need, I need to explain that. Um, because uh, I, I do really, really believe that Jesus needs to be the center of our lives. And um, if, I can, if I can twist your question a little bit, is that all right? Yeah. All right, I'm going to twist it to, to say this. Well, if, if I'm gay and I give my life, life to Christ, will that make me straight? Now, the answer to that is, is no, unfortunately, um, from my perspective. Uh, I need to qualify that. It's, 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 it's not. It's not going, 
And we all love stories. And in my research, I've read stories of women who gave their lives to Christ, who left a relationship with another woman and got married to a man and they were, they were living happily as a heterosexual couple. I also read stories of, of men who had had sexual relations with men who gave their lives to Christ and they, they are now in a, a marriage relationship. And we all love stories like that. As Christians, we, we love those stories. We love it whenever um, somebody who has been in the UVF or the IRA give their lives to Christ and they confess to murdering people, but now their lives are, are, are really changed and they're turned around and, and all the rest of it. Love those stories. And we put those people on a pedestal and we put them on a platform. But one of the most authentic things that I think that I read in the last couple of weeks was, was an article by a young man who says, I don't like to use the term gay Christian. What I want to, to say to people is that, that I'm a Christian because I've given my life to Christ but I still battle with the temptation of having sex with someone from the same gender. And that, that really helped me to understand because there, there are individuals who give their lives to Christ who still struggle with big, big style with temptation and it may not be sexual temptation of same gender, it could be sexual temptation with many partners, and, and they struggle with that. But um, this morning, I was, I was down in, in Greystones in Wicklow this morning, preaching in our church there, and they, they specifically asked me to, to preach from Ephesians 5, 21 through to Ephesians 6, 1 to 9. And it, it's, all, it's all based on relationships, um, husband and wife relationship, parent and children, slaves and masters, and, and the qualifying, there's a, there's a qualifying verse in everything. And the qualifying verse is this. Um, it's in, in chapter 5, verse 21. Uh, and, and it says, submit to one another in honor of Christ. Right? And, and I, I read that as, you know, if someone has given their life to Jesus Christ, they may struggle with something. It may be that they struggle with being tempted to have sexual relations with someone from the same gender. But that little verse of scripture says to me, don't you look down on somebody or judge somebody that Christ has saved. That's what it says to me. And, and the answer to your question, will, will individuals who, who have temptations to have sexual relations with same gender, will they be excluded from heaven? Only if they don't know Jesus Christ as their savior. The important thing is that Jesus Christ came to seek and to save 
that's what, that which was lost. And I think there may be another verse of scripture up there. You see, here it, it says this in, in Revelation 21, 27. Nothing impure will ever enter it. We're talking heaven. Nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. That's the important thing. If somebody has genuinely come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, they submit their lives to the authority of Jesus Christ. And they might be tempted to have same-sex relations, but they choose to be celibate. Now, the, the thing that, that kept coming to my mind was that we have, we have some beautiful Christians in, in this church who have never married. Never married. It hasn't, hasn't happened for them. But they remain celibate because they are committed to Jesus Christ and they have surrendered that part of their life to Jesus Christ. And we don't, we don't stand up and say, you Christians are awful because you say that single people can't have sex. Nobody says that about us. But there are individuals who have chosen a celibate lifestyle, who are heterosexual, and God bless them for it. And I suppose I'm, I want to, to come down on that and say individuals who give their life to Christ should surrender their life to Christ. The important thing here is, and, and, and I, I did a lot of research on this, and I'm skipping over a lot of it. But, but I want to say this. If you belong to Jesus Christ, your identity is in him. It's not in anything else. What you do is, as a job or as a mother or as a father or anything else, you find your identity in Jesus Christ. And it's the same also with, with anyone, anyone who is tempted to have sex with same gender, with someone from the same gender. They surrender their life to Christ. And they choose to live celibate for Jesus. And you know what? If, if there is an individual like that, who am I to look down on that individual? Because Jesus has taken them to himself. He has become their savior. He has cleansed their life. The Holy Spirit empowers them to overcome temptation. God bless them. The important thing is that your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You know, I, instead, of, instead of getting all uptight about, about human sexuality and all that, wouldn't it be great if, if Christians got concerned about the 78 you know, the 88% of people that aren't members of an evangelical church? Wouldn't it be great if we, if we just got burdened for people that are, are lost in the world and without Christ and without hope so that we could reach them and, and take as many people to heaven with us as we possibly could? Anyway.
don't want to get onto a hobby horse with that one, and I don't want to get off off uh, track. But but the short answer to your question, and I hope you all heard me, that if someone who is gay, are they can they can they get into heaven or will they go to hell? If they give their lives to Jesus Christ and He's their Savior, and they submit their lives to Christ completely. They won't go to hell, they'll go to heaven. That's, that's the problem. I see when I like this, it's called short talks and hot topics. Sometimes they're too short, aren't they? Um, you know, and this, this is such a huge topic that maybe we'll delve into again at a, at a later date. Um, but the last question we have tonight um, is this. Uh, what would you say to, to someone, Pastor Philip, or what would your advice be um, as father of, 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 of the house? To someone who is maybe dealing with or asking questions around um, human sexuality, around their sexual identity, or if they're maybe struggling with, with an area of, of, of sexuality, what would your words be to them? Um, first, firstly, I, I, I think that you, you need to talk about it. Now, I need to qualify that. You need to talk about it. To keep something to yourself and struggle with it is, is not good for anybody. You, you need to talk these things through. And, and the whole purpose, actually, of, of counseling is for you to hear yourself talk so that you know what's coming out of your mouth is what's in your mind. And it really helps you to then um, deal with issues um, in your life. But I want to qualify that. You need, to, you need to talk. Talk. But initially, I would really seek God and ask the Lord to lead you to a mature Christian who is not going to condemn you for what you're going to say to them. I really, I really think that you need to, to pray that God would lead you to somebody who would be warm and accepting and honest with you and to tell you the truth in love. Right? Um, there's a lot of Christians who will tell you the truth. And some of them aren't too loving. They're individuals who have a lot to say on certain topics. That's why I said at the beginning, sometimes evangelicals appear to be militant and aggressive, especially in this area. But if somebody in here is struggling with something, seek out a mature Christian who will not be shocked by what you say, who will listen lovingly to what you have to say, and will walk with you once they have spoken with you and stay with you. That's about what, what I want to say on that. All right. You Hold know, on. I'm, I'm not finished. There's a couple of things I want to say. Now, there, it's like, this is like any other topic. It's all very well for you to be condemnatory of individuals 
whenever you're not going through this or a member of your family is not going through this. It's amazing how quickly people's views alter and are affected by the lifestyle of family members. So I want to I want to finish with this. I showed this to the Silver Liners on Wednesday. This is a wee picture. <clears throat> it's a print of a picture by Sieger Koder, who is a, a German um, German priest. All right, and the hands that you see in the foreground are the hands of Christ, <clears throat> and Sieger Koder. Um, has entitled this picture here, All Are Welcome. And this is the table of, of Jesus. Now, around the table, there are a number of individuals. There's, if you, you take it from the left-hand side, you've got, um, you've got a, a religious person. We think it's a Jew because he's probably wearing a prayer show. Next to him <clears throat> is a prostitute. And next to her is a beggar. And next to the beggar is a misfit or a clown. And then you have a professor, someone who's highly educated, a businesswoman, and a, and a migrant. And you can see uh, by his dressing that he's wounded. And what the the picture is saying is Jesus came to save everybody and everybody's welcome at his table. You can see that in the right hand side of it that the door is open and there's an open invitation for people to come to Jesus' table doesn't matter what they've done doesn't matter what they've become there's always a welcome at Jesus table this morning actually when I was preaching on this I got them to stand up and, and to take a look take a look around just to see who was in the room All right, and I said there's a couple of clowns in here as well but, but we have all done things that we're not proud of and we've all been involved in stuff that Jesus has forgiven us for. And that's why I say, don't put anybody down at all that God has created. Because he sent Jesus to save that individual. And the door is open for anyone. I have no right, none whatsoever to point the finger at anybody because I know what I was and where I was when Jesus saved me. And I want to praise him for the work that he's done in my life and transforming my life. But in the picture, there's, there's some etchings on the wall on the left. <clears throat> and if you have a good look at them, you think they're a couple of figures. This actually uh, hangs in Ian Will's uh, living room. Have you, been, have you been there? Have you, you seen it? 
first time I saw it was in Ian's house. <clears throat> and the figures on the left, I said to Ian, who are, who are these guys here? And he said, I have no idea. He said, there's something evil's going on in the background there. And when I researched the picture, there are actually three figures that are there. Can you see the three? You can only see two. Let me tell you, the one on the right there, you have someone with their head nestled into the chest of another one, and his head is leaning on top of the other head. Do you see it now? You all right? You all see it? All right. It's a scene from Luke chapter 15 where the younger son comes home and the father embraces him and they, they're being held or he's being held in the embrace of the father. And the one on the left of the picture is the older brother who isn't happy that the other guy has come home and he's refusing to go into the party. Now I say this pastorally. I hope and pray that I never take the attitude of the one on the left. Because I felt the embrace of the one on the right. And everybody's welcome at the table of Jesus. And that would include anybody in here this evening who has never ever come to the Lord Jesus Christ. You could come to him this evening Feel the embrace of Jesus. That's what our story is. That's what our message is. And I'll finish with Philip Emerson's words. We've got to be soft at the door. Anybody can come. But we need to be strong at the core. We need to know that Jesus can save anybody and the power of Jesus Christ can transform anybody's life Amen Will we pray? Father we thank you that you are the one who we name Father because Lord you are Father you love us You care for us, you accept us, and through Jesus, you forgive us. Father, tonight, help us to be soft at the door where everyone is welcome. Everyone and anyone is welcome to come into this house. Father, help us to be strong at the core, strong about what we believe, strong about who you are, Because, God, it is by obeying and following truth 
that brings us through that narrow door and into salvation. God, help us to hold tightly and unashamedly to it. But Father, I pray that we would be a church that communicates truth in gentleness, that communicates truth in love, the Father of God, people would hear the truth and hear it as a loving song of deliverance, not as a baton of condemnation. Father, tonight for those of us who are maybe struggling in this area of human sexuality, no matter what it looks like, or Father God, for maybe those who maybe comes into our mind's eye when we were talking about this tonight, maybe it's a family member or a friend or a work colleague. Father, we pray that doors would begin to open where people would have the opportunity to step into your kingdom. That those of us, God, who are struggling would have the opportunity to step into your restoration, to step into your forgiveness, and to step into the life-giving, freedom-embracing power of the Holy Spirit. Father, thank you for Pastor Philip and the wisdom that he shared and the truth of your word. And so, Father, as we go from this place, Help us to remind, remind us, God, help us to remember to be soft at the door and strong at the core. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're going to sing? We got a song? All right.